I'm Lily. I'm Lorraine. And, and we're caffeinated. And on a train. Uh, Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, I also, I like your, I presume this is the, the episode title is Caffeinated and in a Quarantine. Yes. Very, very good. Very good. We, um, I think we even talked about this. We thought about coronavirus on a train, but we oh, really? don't want to encourage people to take public transit. No, no, no. Or implicate ourselves as if we would do such a thing. No. You would not, in fact, do such a thing, dear listener. So, Lily, how are you in these unprecedented times? These trying times. I'm, you know, I'm getting better every day, I would say. There's definitely difficulties. There's certain realities that, um, you know, we have to face. But it's almost, I think, for me, and like, I'm extremely lucky, of course, but like, I feel I'm sort of in um, my kind of new life. (laughs) This is my new life now. And um, it's like more of a subconscious thing that like we're in a crisis. I think it can, I I wonder if a lot of people are experiencing this, but that, you know, it's been like a month. And I, I think that I've even read that there is something about how long it takes I don't really know how you measure this like how long it takes for someone to adapt I'm not exactly sure to what I think it's actually like three months but I feel like relatively adjusted to this new way of being and sometimes I think I can forget like that we're in a crisis and that like you know I'm still trying to go full speed when like it's not necessarily um necessary or like fair to expect that of myself and I I think I think that it's probably a common experience for people who are sequestered at home that maybe they're kind of used to it overall but then there's like certain things happen and it's like no we're actually uh we're in a pandemic maybe we should back up for our dear listeners because this is probably not going to go up right away you know April 20th and we are now roughly a month into the great COVID-19 drama of 2020. Yeah. 2020, what a year. What a great start. Taurus yeah. season. The first, the first, I'm going to say it's the first full day of Taurus season. And I, I'm just, I get to decide that because I'm Taurus. Right. So. I'm very excited about what the combination of Taurus season and the quarantine is going to bring. We are specially adapted for the quarantine. Right. You know. I think that of all of all the zodiacs, we might be the most like aligned with this new reality, you know? Undoubtedly. Like I can't think of another sign that would be more aligned. That are that are like finding our joy <laughs> in these unprecedented times. You know? I think everybody could benefit from a dose of Taurus energy right now. So I'm this is a I'm personally taking credit for <laughs> The blessings and good tidings that are coming to you in the coming weeks, dear oh, listener. Thank you, Lily. <laughs> if you want, if you if you want to, um, you know, reciprocate, you can sign up for our Patreon. We'll make a new perk that's just <laughs> Taurus season. Today is April twentieth, because I think it's, it's true that things change quite rapidly. And we wouldn't want to say anything in this episode and then have people think that it's like necessarily the same when the episode goes up in case something dramatically shifts. Um, Because we would never want to be accused of peddling false information. Never. Us? We've never done that before. 
we're a highly reliable source. It's kind of hard to know where to begin talking about. It's really hard, but you know, I think that that's kind of like um, on brand with the pandemic. <laughs> yes. The pandemic, it had a brand. <laughs> Not knowing where to begin would be on, on the mood board of that brand. It definitely would be. So, <laughs> so I think that's all right. Um, but I agree with you. It doesn't feel right to like do our normal song and dance here. Two women show. This podcast is very much literally a, a show two women. women. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say like the intersections between how this experience has affected us as um, students, but like, I don't know if that's really like, I know for me, it's hard to even abide by the usual. It's like, this has been such a paradigm shift for me that it's like, even just conceptualizing myself as a student or like engaging with academia, especially in the beginning was really difficult. I wonder if maybe instead of where we would normally do what we did this week, if we could give like a short summary of like this, like what the last four weeks have been like. I think that sounds great. That sounds really good. And maybe in kind of like, kind of a chronological order. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I think that could be a good way to like, yeah. So we can each like briefly summarize our trajectory for the. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, like starting with like when this really hit you that this was happening, maybe. Yes. Okay. Um, so right at the beginning of this, this is really funny timing. Um, literally, like as shit was getting real, I was in Prague at a Progressive Connections conference. Um, which was delightful. It was so much fun. I don't think we're going to get into that too much in this one. Um, but it was a really cleansing and healing and um, invigorating intellectual experience. And I took about a week in Prague. Um, right. I did some kind of light touristing. I enjoyed the city. Uh, and then basically the day I came back, was the day that things were starting to shut down. I remember being in a bookstore in Prague, hanging out, looking at books, and hearing the owner of the bookstore taking a call, saying that um, starting from that day, everything had to close on a reduced schedule. So I basically like came back normally. My trip was completely normal. And then like I came back and it was quarantine season. Wow. That's nice timing at least. It was beautiful timing. It could not have been better. In fact, I think like the next day the Czech Republic closed its borders. Oh my gosh. So I think I still would have been able to get home, but you know, glad that they didn't have to deal with that. That uncertainty, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, how are, how are the following weeks for you? At first, I think I was kind of, there was some denial, some kind of like grumpiness about stuff closing. I wanted to still be able to go to cafes and like enjoy the spring weather um, and have like normal stuff. Um, but it pretty rapidly became clear that that just wasn't in the cards. Um, and I uh, started being able to work from home for my job. Um, my fiance started to be able to work from home for his job. Um, and we've basically been in place since then. 
um, since like two or three days after I got back. And I would, I would characterize my emotional state um, basically from the start as peaks and valleys of mania and depression <laughs> that have been getting consistently better. Um, I think being like, having like manic depressive swings is very much my character. This is yeah. how I, it's on brand. <laughs> it's, it's how I react to periods of high pressure and um, also kind of periods of low pressure. Um, I'll have like super high energy for a couple of days and then I'll need to kind of take a break. Right. Um, but at the beginning of this, those swings were really, really pronounced. I would be like full on manic for a couple of days and then really crash and be super depressed and not be able to do anything. Um, um, and if I might ask you, um, you know, you know, like what, what specific kind of things were, were like driving those, those, those feelings, like the manic and the depressed, like, were you maybe trying to like make the most out of the situation and then being like, holy hell, we're in a pandemic. Like what were kind of the, the, you know, that, and that, and that side of things like your mindset. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I think, I wouldn't necessarily characterize the manic phases as trying to make the most of it, but mm-hmm. I would say that most of the work that I do that I really love, like my research and my writing, is stuff that I can do uninterrupted from home. I can yeah. do that really easily and well. Um, and so there was definitely this feeling of like, oh, this stuff that's like my favorite thing to do it's stuff I can keep doing. So I'll just do it. Doing it. Yeah, I understand that. And then I think a big part of what would happen is I would just get tired. Like I would physically and mentally get tired and that would be what set off this depressed phase. um, I would be too tired to keep doing my work. Yeah. But I couldn't do the things that I normally do that aren't work but that are equally as joyful for me like um seeing my friends um yeah i mean i think i think that something that has come up a lot is this like again it's like somehow you find the energy and the strength and maybe for me like i'm just maybe doing certain things because i just like i don't really know what else to do like this is just what i do but then, um, yeah, this idea of getting tired a lot faster because I think there is this like background strain that sometimes I think it can hide in the subconscious. It's not always very like obvious kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then once I had run out of, of energy to do the things that are fun and exciting for me, all that would be left would be like, oh my God, how long is this going to last? We have so little information. Um, everything is so uncertain. Is this going to last all summer? Is this going to last all year? Um, yeah. What, what's going to happen? Um, I, I have never been worried about getting sick. Um, but I'm very worried about if I got sick, having to deal with the German bureaucracy. Associated. Uh, yeah. I can't even, I can't even go there mentally. <laughs> That's yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I'll deal I was like a witch doctor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, yeah, I'm trying to be in the emergency room of the. <laughs> using Google Translate to try to explain my symptoms. Good God. Good God. Yeah. Um, but then after a couple of days, I would rally and I've developed some, um, some things since the beginning that have helped with that. And we can get into that later. Yeah. I'd love to hear. Yeah. Um, but then after those phases, I would get back up into my like positive space. One might say manic. Right. One might, you know, but who's to say anymore? Like there are no, like the paradigm is different now. So (laughs) Is it manic or is, is, are you just happy? <laughs> I, I think that manic is just a negative way of saying happy. Yeah, me too. To be honest, like a friend of mine uh, actually like also it's not really relevant except for the, the temporal aspect, but a friend of mine called me um, a few days before everything really hit the fan. Um, and he was talking to me and he was saying, you know, I think I have a condition which is characterized, it's not bipolar disorder, but it's something, it's like a mild form of bipolar disorder. I can't remember what the name of it was. And he was telling me like what the symptoms were. And I'm just like, is it a disorder? Or is that your personality? <laughs> and then we're like, who, which, what is, which is which really? <laughs> you know, if it's, if it's not impeding your life, then it's your personality. It's your personality. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that basically covers my trajectory for the last four weeks Um, and points I would like to pick up in later in the episode might include um, what I've been doing to get myself out of those depressive phases. I also want to say like I feel so lucky about my circumstances. I feel like I have basically like the best possible set of circumstances. Like I live with my partner so I'm not completely alone. I live way out in the suburbs of Berlin, so it's like green open space. I can still go outside. Um, It's really easy for me to maintain social distance. And we're in Germany, which is a country that has had like very low death rates, um, even though there are very high numbers of cases. The testing seems to be really thorough. Um, And we have healthcare. So I'm just really. I just want to say like how thankful and how much gratitude I have for the world right now. Yeah, I, I'm completely, completely with you on that. I think one of the things that this experience has caused me is to realize how grateful I am for the life that I have here. And um, yeah, especially as two people who are not like from Germany, I think that probably adds to this perspective. Like that we could we could be somewhere else. I mean, I could get into my, I think this may be even a good segue if you're ready to hand off the... I am exactly ready. Perfect. Well, I started this um, after a much anticipated trip uh, to Buenos Aires. And for me, I remember this all started, yeah, maybe like five weeks ago. Um, my parents were supposed to visit me and around the same time, a good friend of mine who's Argentinian here in Berlin wrote to me that I think she went to London for her connecting flight and they sent her back. And I think that was when, you know, I had kind of, I think that the way that we're conditioned or that I, I usually try to handle the news is to, you know, maybe a little bit of like snarky humor. 
on Twitter, but not like panicking or giving into the hype. I think that this experience has really challenged that approach. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note that like in our lifetime, we've had multiple instances of the news telling us that there's a really scary pandemic that's about to happen. This has happened like several times. In yeah, we can name a bunch of different ones. Yeah. yeah. We've had like the swine flu and bird SARS. flu and SARS. Ebola. Ebola. And yeah. I think it's like reasonable that everyone was a little bit suspicious of the coverage starting up. Yeah, I think so. Exactly. So I just, I didn't really take it that seriously for a while. Um, but then my friend sent me this message. And again, like I, that day, I, I didn't really think about, like, I thought that sucked for her and like, was kind of like, wow, I can't believe that's happening. But the thing was, my parents were supposed to come. And I think this was the day before they were supposed to leave. And over the course of the day, after I received that message, I gradually started to think maybe that will affect them. And I remember I was on the phone with my mom and we we're kind of like, no, this was the evening before they were going to leave. Like, no, I, you know, like what's, what would they do? They wouldn't let us in really. Like, it's like, you know, now it's like, so yeah, they won't. But like, then it was still like, that seems a little bit extreme. Like you're going to cancel the whole trip the night before kind of thing. And then yeah, actually, because um, I remember I found I, f I found a news article that listed the U.S. on the um, the countries that were were um, required a mandatory quarantine for anyone that was coming in, and I remember I sent it to my stepdad, and we were just like, I mean, I was kind of like, you're going to cancel this article. I mean, I found this article, and you're going to cancel our whole trip because of this article that I found online. But then it turned out. So this is again this like cognitive dissonance between the way that I normally try to. Um, like take in information and then like the actual uh, yeah they are gonna cancel the trip the night before mm -hmm. so anyway so that was my first realization but then coupled with that was man I mean I should probably reconsider my trip plans because I was supposed to stay in Buenos Aires for like another three or four weeks at this time <clears throat> and people had suggested to me but the problem is like no one has lived through this before, at least that I know. So no one can really offer like sound advice based on experience. It's kind of like things were happening so fast and changing so fast. And yeah, I remember starting to be really glued to the news to because I wasn't sure what the circumstances would be and um, trying, I guess I, I ended up leaving within the week, but I even felt like, is, am I being rash? Like, can I just wait it out? Like, and it was this dilemma of where do I go? Do I stay here and wait it out? Do I go back to the US? Do I go back to Berlin? Like what is the right choice? And I think this is when I started to think, and I'm really glad I came back here because I think this is a really good place to be. Um, but yeah, I, I changed my flight and then there was more rumors that they're going to start canceling the flights starting next the following week when I was supposed to leave. But again, I was like rumors. I but then they did, they canceled my flight. And by the grace of God, goddess, whatever you want to call, um, I found a flight, but I had to leave like ASAP. And I ended up having two days. I had to fly from, instead of from Buenos Aires to Europe, I flew to the US and then to Europe. And it was, it was insanely stressful. I think that that really um, marked my experience of the pandemic because, as I say, it was kind of just a situation where I was on these multiple long international flights 
And I didn't know what I would expect when I got, when I arrived, because things were changing so fast in, in terms of border restrictions and, uh, you know, canceling flights and, and masks and things like this. So, and, and, and being in the airport was definitely very unpleasant. People were clearly feeling uh, the panic and the crisis. Um, but anyway, I, I also finally arrived. You know, I felt like just by just by a hair, I made it because I'm pretty sure they also closed the borders. I have a friend who went to visit her family in the UK, and she told me the day that I arrived that she wasn't going to be able to get back because they've canceled pretty much everything. So, also lucky that I made it here. And then I would just say the first week or ten days after that, I was just like completely shell shocked and just completely unable to like engage in normal activity. Um, I also was doing a self-isolation because I, I had some symptoms and was just traveling and really exposed. So I, I thought it was the best thing to not be exposing myself to other people. Um, so yeah, but then I think gradually I started and I think that I was afraid that I didn't know like when, and we spoke about this, like when or how I would start to feel myself again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also particularly feeling anxious around um, like responsibilities with respect to university. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think maybe around the time or a little bit before I finished the self-isolation, I felt a lot better being able to do like small things. And I think trying to do what the most I could within the kind of um, guidelines that we were subject to in terms of um, still going outside, I saw a friend out, outdoors, like meeting in group of two kind of thing. Uh, so um, I had you who brought me groceries, which was, I'll remember forever. So nice. Um, yeah. And I think just slowly um, I have started to go from maybe feeling myself, but not really engaging in work to kind of finding the motivation to yeah, like, I don't want to say make the most of this situation. I don't really like thinking of it that way, but trying to, um, you know, be in a, in a wholesome discipline with myself, if that makes sense. Like, you know, because I, I think that there's a certain level of taking care of yourself. And I think part of that can involve doing things that, you know, creating things, um, engaging your brain. And I found that I naturally reached a point where I was starting to feel ready. And to be honest, I feel like I, I it hasn't been easy to do so. I mean, I've struggled a bit um, to, you know, I find that it's sometimes really challenging. And this is when I remember, like, we are in a pandemic, I'm not back to normal, and I need to, like, chill out. Um, and then I think, this also, I think, will segue well into other things that I've learned in terms of how to, to be during this and, and how to be a student during this or, you know, engage in the wholesome discipline of working on things that um, you might normally be working on or that you enjoy and so forth. So that's my, my spiel. I'm just so glad that you got home safe to Berlin. <laughs> That was quite intense. I, I maybe didn't really, can't stress it enough. It was a very, that was one of the most intense experiences that I've had in recent memory. Yeah. And I think even if you had come back to Berlin and like things had been fine, even if 
if the coronavirus somehow like magically never reached Germany and everything was normal here, you would still have a very good reason to be shell-shocked and stressed and not yourself when you return. Yeah, thanks for saying that. You're totally right. Yeah, it was... Yeah, I, I, I really, it was just a very intense, um, on many, many levels, like to witness that, to go through that. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, shell shocked is the word is the way I would describe. Um, yeah, just exactly like not feeling like a, myself at all, just in like a crazy kind of crisis survival mode, even for days after I arrived back. But, but yeah, I think it's, um, something that I feel, like, and again, I, I feel extremely grateful for my situation and very like privileged to be in the situation I'm in. Um, but I still want to say, I think that there's something about the kind of psychological uh, resilience that people can have. Like, I think it's called, I, I was reading, it's the uh, hedonic treadmill. Have you heard of this term? No, but it sounds great. What does it mean? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I was reading about it. It's basically the idea that um, human beings like no matter the circumstances, like find some level of stasis um, where they don't stay in extreme, um, like elevated emotional states for like so long. They, they find some kind of normalcy, even if it's not normal, they find some, some sort of like, yeah, stasis, like equilibrium in their, their circumstances as a survival tool. Like, um, so I think that we can relate to that, that everybody as this goes on. Yes, absolutely. And I think that there's, um, there's a bit of an art to finding that equilibrium and then being able to recognize how it's different from your previous equilibrium in both negative and positive ways. I really like that. Um, and I think in the next episode, we'll probably get more into kind of like the um, yeah like hopes or yeah you know kind of like the radical hope of this this moment that we can we can take from it and that there definitely are things that have been exposed to to us and probably many people you know about the way we were living previously and the way we're living currently that are eye-opening in positive ways as well you know yeah that's a really good point And and an important point for kind of grieving and adjusting to this current reality Mm -hmm. um not to get too much into spoilers for the coming episode Mm -hmm. but i feel extremely optimistic about the impact that this will have on the world and i also feel optimistic about the impact that it's having on me i love i love to hear it i love that for you thank you (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I felt very inspired by your take on this. I wouldn't even call it a hot take because a hot take implies, you know, it's better than, it's not better than a hot take because I, I love hot takes, but it's like, it's a different type of take than a hot take, if you will. It's like a slow roasted take. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like roasted with love by an old, an old family recipe. <laughs> the next episode to hear all about it yeah exactly but in the in the more sort of personal level which I feel like is more the theme 
for this episode. Um, being in quarantine has taught me an enormous amount about what actually brings me joy and what doesn't. Care to elaborate? Um, well, I mean, one of the one of the really positive things is I've realized how much I absolutely love my work. Mm. It's just blown my mind. I mean, I've always known I loved my work. That's always been a big part of the Lorraine brand. Um, but it just, it brings me so much joy to like sit down with the text and read it or watch it and come up with hot takes and then write an essay about them. So fun. I'm so glad to hear that. There's nothing I would rather be doing, which is great because I can also do that from home. Yeah, you can do that. There's plenty of time for that right now. For sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and how revitalizing I find it to be creative. Um, also like doing, doing things that are less intellectual, but equally creative, like decorating my planner. Mm. It's just fun to like make something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we talked a bit before the pandemic, but yeah, I think that there's something really like, it's a really, um, what's secure, stable source of like self-esteem even to derive from, yeah, from what you create, the work that you're doing. And like, to be clear here, I think when we talk about work, we're speaking about a specific type of work. Yes. You know, and I think that's also something that is, has come up for you and definitely I think about as well. Um, you know, the difference between like, how would you define it? I think that there's wage labor, which is one thing. But how would you describe the work that we're talking about right now when we say work? This has been something that has like really, the, the discourse about work has become so present all of a sudden. And I realized how unhappy I am with it. I am unhappy with the way the whole wow. world is talking about work. Let's hear it. Um, so you, you mentioned wage labor right now, um, which, I mean, you're the Marxist, so maybe you should like define that term. Sure. Um, I'm thinking the, in, in terms of what we're saying here, wage labor is the activities that you engage in for money to, to live. Mm -hmm. um, Usually you have a boss and you're not necessarily so in control of it. You maybe probably wouldn't do it or maybe wouldn't do it exactly under the same terms. If, at least in the traditional sense, now that no one likes the jobs that they're doing for, for wage labor, but the idea is that you're doing it for kind of for someone else to earn a living so that you can survive. Oh, that's a really good, that's a really good definition. I really like how you. Wow. Thank you. I was feeling, honestly, I was feeling a bit, a bit worried when, when I was introduced as the Marxist and trying to <laughs> do justice, you know. As Marx would be proud. Marx would love our podcast. He, he would. He definitely would. It really has a, his energy, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think the, um, the really, the, the thing I would pull out of that is the idea of like doing work on someone else's terms. And maybe you enjoy the tasks that you're doing and maybe you don't, and maybe you like some of them and you don't like others. It's kind and of, it doesn't really matter whether you do. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's on someone else's terms. You hope that you like them, but maybe you don't. Um, I would define 
work more broadly as like the tasks, um, kind of divorced from the circumstances in which you're doing them. So my work is the tasks that fill my day. And I put under that umbrella um, schoolwork. And I also put creative writing um, and making this podcast and doing stuff for my job at Hurdy School, colon, Berlin's University of Governance. Um, and also like reading and exercise. I consider those all parts of my work. Can I interject here? Um, I think, <clears throat> first of all, there's, there's another distinction that could be useful between work and wage labor and then also work and play. Mm -hmm. Which um, there are there are theorists who uh, write about this, and I know that you have some takes on this in terms of maybe again like situating this kind of concept that we're this working um, ad hoc, if you will, concept that we're coming up with here. But the other thing I was thinking of is, um, which is maybe useful, um, is not only are you doing wage labor on someone else's terms, but it's also um, generally described as somewhat of a form of co coercion because you're doing it um, at least on some level because you need to earn money. And I think um, a way that both of us probably are, are getting it, because this is also resonating with me, is that um, sort of getting in touch with the things that you are doing that require effort, but are coming from a place of like genuine um, desire that's deeper than just, I'm doing this to survive. Um, you know, I'm doing this just because I, ha I have to. And again, like, it's very lucky to be able to explore that. But I do think that it's really important, what, however best you can in your life, to discern um, what kinds of things you would want to do if you weren't getting paid. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And how you would want to live and spend your days if you weren't getting paid. I think that that's an important first step. And then hopefully you can find a way to make uh, money doing that because that's the world that we currently the system that we're currently living under but to to carve out some time in your life to touch get in touch with that is really I think um, the ideal yes I the the distinction between work and play is also one I've been thinking about um, and realizing how much my quote-unquote work is play for me um, mm. That's a really, it's, it's joyful for me. Um, mm. And one of the side effects of that is realizing how much my job, my wage labor sucks and I hate it. <laughs> um, really valid. As in Marx would also be happy with, with <laughs> this segment of our podcast. I hate my job. <laughs> my wage labor sucks and I hate it. Karl Marx. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Communist Manifesto. Yeah, that's it. You don't even need to read it now. You just listen to our podcast. Yeah, DLDR. <laughs> I hate my job. <laughs> yeah. Um, for which reason I've actually decided to stop referring to the tasks that I do at my job as work. Mm. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that's... Um, I think that's, again, it's really useful. And I think for myself, I sometimes I don't really even, this is just an ongoing problem that is part of my, 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 my life. But I sometimes don't recognize how hard I work and like how much I'm doing. 
until someone like says, Hey, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <"Huh." laughs> yeah, I guess I am. Um, but I, I feel the same way. Like, um, I think it's been what's useful in a way these days, again, like following this natural trajectory, I think also built, helped me to build a lot of trust with myself that I would get to a point where I would be ready to like work again, you know? Um, and yeah, I agree. Like it feels, it feels good to be involved in various projects, to be creating things. Like it gives me a sense of strength. And like, I think that for me, there is a stronger distinction between work and play, but it, something yeah there's something gratifying about work um for example something that i've started doing again and i want to continue doing is um before i went back to um grad school where most of my writing because i would see myself and i think we've talked about this before as like as a writer you know like what we do is write really i mean we research and we write and so um you know I, i've kind of stopped writing for the the public really my my friends <laughs> Um, it's public. It's public. Um, it's like when you say that if two, there's two people, it's a party or something. It's been that very analogous. Um, all two people that read what I write, but um, but that there's something really um, that I missed, and that I remember was like one of the best and most satisfying feelings would be when I would write a think piece and share it with others, and people, some people, some people <laughs> would read it, and you know, say like, hey, thank you for that. Like that made me that made me think or like that inspired me in some way. Um, and I really, I miss that. And I think that that's something that I've rediscovered as being kind of in this um, realm of things that I would do um, if I weren't getting paid, like what would I want to do with my, my time and my days that I would qualify as work because it's really hard for me and it takes discipline to come back to it. Um, it's not just like, you know, turning off my brain. It's like not pure pleasure. It's like, it's like exercise in a way, you know, you have to do it and you have the reward at the end. Um, so yeah, I definitely have found that as well. And I think, yeah, I think it's maybe changed my relationship with, because I think that I'm seeing the benefit of, yeah, of, of creating things maybe in a new light somehow from this experience, you know. I think that that's really, first off, beautiful. And I love that for you. Um, <laughs> and important. I think that, getting in touch with um the fact that like sometimes things are in fact challenging but so rewarding that you do them even if you aren't getting paid is so important yeah yeah and seeing the way that that similar i can take that similar current and apply it to things that you know we go to a school in Germany, it's hard to say things are truly obligatory, but like, how can I apply the same feeling and the same idea to my like academic writing projects and to doing these other, these other things, you know what I mean? How can I, how can I channel that same kind of mentality towards other projects? And I think that a big thing for me has always been um, authenticity and feeling like the things that I'm doing are really a reflection of my values mm. and um, and I think that fl follows here as well with the kind of the kinds of things I'm trying to create. Um, and I think there's even a difference too between like thinking of what you're creating and what you're building versus like being productive. Because I think that productivity is this other idea that can be really coded within like the logic of capitalism. 
Yeah, man, I have learned that people have such different definitions of productivity during this. I can see by your face, yeah. It's actually, I was listening to a podcast episode um, from one of the like productivity oriented podcasts I listen to, uh, many, Um, and they were like, the topic of the episode was when to be unproductive. So talking about basically exactly this. And they were like trying to come up with a definition of productivity. And I listened to both of their definitions, which were different from each other. And like neither of those even approached how I would have defined it. It was so interesting to realize that. I think it's because until we maybe parsed out even like, cause we've had this kind of conversation before. I'm pretty sure in other episodes, maybe about busyness it was, mm-hmm. but um, that for me, um, yeah, I think that again, there, there, are, there is a distinction in there. And I think language is always, I'm really always interested in like terms and language that we use and the ways that the words that we use, we are having like vastly different associations and vastly different definitions of what we're talking about. And so um, I think that I understand from knowing you, your way of seeing productivity, which I think if I may applies or aligns more with this idea of creating things, building things, um, you know, putting in your effort to have something at the end that you're proud of um, and that there's a you find a lot and I do too, even if we have probably different approaches in a lot of senses about it, but like, yeah, you find immense gratification mm-hmm. in that process. And it, yeah, it's, yeah. And for me as well, I find, you know, it's, again, it's a, it's a major source even of self-esteem, what you're able to create and share. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when I say productivity, I think that, that, that is a synonym for what I just said maybe, but I think that productivity also does have this kind of conception that I do think, and I, I do stand by, and it maybe it was even, it's been something that I've had to kind of continually ruminate over is like, where do I draw the line between doing these things that bring me joy and that are authentic to me? And where do I find that I'm doing this out of external pressure of feeling that I should? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something there that maybe distinguishes the two. And again, I think um, the productivity element might come from, again, this sort of like coercive logic of capitalism and wage labor, even when, even when we're not ex- directly expected to do that for those reasons, we're still kind of um, ingrained to feeling, yeah, guilt or measuring our worth by our productivity in ways that can be toxic because they're not necessarily coming from an authentic place um, or... Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I like to believe contrary to the logic of capitalism that people have innate worth outside of whether, <laughs> outside of, you know, what they produce just by being a human being. But um, I think capitalism can, you know, make productivity, can it's too connected. It's complicated because I know I say that I find self-esteem in, in creating things but I do think that it's important, this is a tricky one, to find some sort of line of when that's a toxic mentality to have, you know. I mean, what I would say is that you should never derive all of your self-worth from a single source, any single source. You shouldn't mm-hmm. derive it from your productivity. You shouldn't derive it just from your relationships. You shouldn't derive it just from your spirituality. It should always come from many places. And... Um, I think the, the logic of capitalism leans really heavily on productivity as like the one source. But that doesn't mean that in trying to recognize the innate worth of people as humans, 
you need to say like you can't derive self-worth from anything you do like that of course not but yeah i mean i think that too as you're saying that i think there's also a distinction somehow between Again, I think there is something with this coercive element. Like, I think the beauty of this moment is also connecting with yourself and your authenticity and creating from that place as opposed to from an external source of just pressure mm-hmm. that somehow, like, you're not good enough or um, that somehow it's aligned with needing external validation or something like that for what you're producing. I think that that's been something that I've had to kind of confront myself and the kinds of things that I'm creating that it's not so much. Yeah. Like how many people read what I write? It's not so much like, yeah, like, you know, it's for the sake of creating it because it's coming from this place of authenticity. And I think again, I think we're both in a really um, lucky situation here because I know that there are people in academic or creative jobs who are feeling coerced to do their work during this pandemic. And any like supervisor who is saying that people should be doing more work during the pandemic is insane and needs to be like smacked or worse. But we are in a position where there isn't that external like specific external pressure like a person telling us that we should do things and i think there's another element of this um that i think that like the regimentation and the um kind of like quantification and the um the commodification if you will um of the things that are being produced like the kind of quota on the output you know like the emphasis on that i think in this like very relentless way as you're describing people like uh, supervisors who are expecting that of their employees. I think that then it becomes, that's a way as opposed to taking, cause this is something that I've struggled with even, you know, it's of course, like I'm also conditioned to cat and under capitalism, but like taking as much time as I need to do something instead of focusing so much on external deadlines or, you know, being a robot and thinking that I have to have this done by a certain time as opposed to just focusing on it from another angle that's more about quality and more about again authenticity and respecting myself and like what I'm able to do that day and respecting the process and you know letting that guide me as opposed to yeah these kind of external markers that are very much trying to standardize people's processes and 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 creativity so yeah, I mean, I think that in general, if we want to get into some of the kind of insights that we've had in terms of like, you know, the actual kind of practical experience of, of you know, engaging in these sorts of things under the pandemic, um, I think boundaries has been an extremely important one, as always. Boundaries are always important. I So important. Time and again. But um, that, yeah, I think respecting my own boundaries during this time um, you know, being honest with myself, I'm going to check my notes here. But um, yeah, just I think being honest with myself and respecting like how much I'm able to do and acknowledging that even if I'm feeling good, that, you know, it's okay. And um, even to be expected for a number of reasons that I, I'm not going to be as productive during this time. But, but this is something that I really hope, because I think a lot of people are having this experience and possibly for the first time having it validated, not necessarily by everyone, but by like some people. This is something I really hope that people take forward after this pandemic is like being like, 
you know what? Sometimes work just isn't in the cards. Sometimes you just need to have a boundary. Yeah. Not just when you're in a pandemic, but like always. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And and respecting that and not chastising yourself because I think that has been a big thing that like you know I might have and I'm I'm I am like probably of, of anyone I know like of setting really unrealistic um, expectations onto myself. That's, that's very on brand of, <laughs> um, so instead, you know, maybe I'll have like these lofty ideas of what I, I expect to accomplish within a certain day. Um, but that, yeah, when I find my, my attention span is dropping off that to be able to walk away from it because I'm not like, it's, it's not bringing me joy. I'm not really engaging with it fully. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's okay that, you know, like I, I wanted to read 20 pages of this te- this dense text today, but I read 15 and I, you know, I, I, I got to stop now. And I think even in general for me, it's changed my relationship to like the temporality of work in the sense of, um, I think I found a, a really useful shift has been um, like, I think before I started this out being like, okay, I'm going to work from this time till this time every day. And instead of thinking, okay, I need to fill five hours with working on this, I've actually been like, no, game plan is work as little as time as, time as possible. And so do what you need to do within like an hour. Instead of five hours, you're going to do this for an hour and then you're just going to chill the rest of the day. Yeah. And, and how that is actually a way more effective work, uh, way of working. And I think the other thing about time is like working with myself and my natural kind of rhythm. I think that generally this, this, um, this pandemic has helped me to get more in touch with like my natural rhythm. So like I love to wake up really early and I naturally wake up really early and pretty much I need to do the most important things before noon, mm-hmm. basically. You know, I can maybe read afternoon um, and, you know, do things that are like less, but if I'm, if it's in terms of writing or doing things that are maybe more, um, I don't know, having a Zoom call with, with, I, I famously don't really, I'm liking this Zoom call, but like Zoom calls with, with people that aren't my friends. <laughs> I famously hate them. <laughs> so Ooh. that stuff all needs to be in the morning before noon so that like, I just, you know, get it out of the way. Cause I, I just, I find that my, my ability to um, work in ways that are less comfortable, like the more uncomfortable pro- aspects of work I need to do first when I have like the wherewithal. Because afternoon, it just really goes away. <laughs> I'm really with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, and just following like a natural flow of a routine. It doesn't need to be – for me, I found actually not making it super regimented, but yeah, just kind of working with myself and my own kind of natural rhythm. Mm-hmm. So those have been some of the things that have helped me. Yeah, I think, I think the idea of a rhythm as opposed to a routine is really useful in this kind of situation. And that means – being in touch with your needs as they change. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think um, there's something about being really present with what I'm doing. So like when I'm working, I'm trying to be really present with that. I'm trying to, you know, really be, I'm not perfect at this, but like trying to be off my phone, trying to be like at a specific place, like where I'm working, even though I live in a studio apartment, like trying to work at my desk, maybe, maybe on my sofa sometimes, I'll be honest, but, (laughs) but, you know, like trying to have like certain, um, yeah, like certain things that I'm 
even if they're really small and subtle by any anyone's standards, like places where I am and am not working, and also then to really not be working when I'm not working, if that makes sense, like to really be present in other things that I'm doing and to prioritize things like going outside, um, like making, taking the time to cook like a, like a good, good meal. Um, and like having this kind of wholesome balance, I guess is my point. And again, setting a boundaries of like when I am and am not working, even if they're like very subtle by any normal standard, like now I'm sitting on my desk and now I'm in my bed <laughs> working, not working. <laughs> well, I think that having specific spaces dedicated to work is really important. Um, it's like, there's like a Pavlovian element. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and I think you've talked about, and you're, you're known for this, but um, like, yeah, having a, a good beverage, maybe some snacks, sometimes the music for me helps when I'm like maybe feeling a bit anxious about working and like you know, find myself falling into like some kind of procrastination because I think procrastination is kind of just anxiety about working. Um, so, you know, finding small ways to inject a bit more like pleasure into the process by, yeah, having, yeah, having some good thing to drink and a good album or whatever. Um, yeah. And just trying to like support yourself knowing that this is extra challenging, you know, and, and trying to be a little bit nicer to yourself and like, yeah, just respecting yourself and working with yourself to make it as pleasant as you can. Absolutely. Yeah, um, making, making your work environment pleasant is also, like you said, this is classic Lorraine. Content. Yeah, it is. You've, you've been really good at this advice for me. This has traditionally been something I've enacted by going to cafes that I really love and like getting a fancy drink there, which yeah. I realized during the course of this is the only reason I am not rich. My main expense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm saying not surprised at all. <laughs> For sure, also. Um, but you know, you can make a fancy coffee at home. Um, yeah. And have your desk be like kind of nicely set up or really clear. Um, I bought myself a fancy candle today to. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of opening the windows near. Oh. You know, like getting some fresh air. Uh, and the weather is so nice. Yeah, it's perfect. It's really perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's other things, as I was also saying, in, in terms of like doing things to support yourself. Um, yeah, like, yeah, take care of yourself, I think. Like, um, you know, even if <clears throat> you have to use like work, I did scare quotes, um, to, you know, motivate yourself. Because I think there's like different ways of doing the pandemic. You. And I'm not moralizing either one, but I have found, I remember I went on a long bike ride, um, just kind of thinking about how I think trying to be as wholesome and like really take care of myself during this by like trying to eat right and get enough sleep, getting exercise, getting fresh air. These things all factor in. And I think even work then is a reciprocal motivation for that. Like I'm not going to stay up really late tonight because, you know, I want to be fresh tomorrow and I want to be clear headed because you know, it's like, it, it can work, you can use it as, as actually something that then, but you know, it could go either way. And I think it's all about, yeah, prioritizing well-being before, you know, and, and seeing where work fits in with that, as opposed to, you know, having it come second and, and sacrificing your well-being for your work. Exactly. Yes. 
um, I strongly believe that work is part of a balanced life. Yeah. No matter what your work is and no matter what your relationship to work is, I think that it's not balanced to not do work, but it's also, of course, not balanced to sacrifice everything else to do work. And yeah. everyone has different levels. And one of the things I really feel strongly about is that there's no right or wrong way to respond to this pandemic. The way that yes. works for you in this moment is the right way. 1000%, 1000%. I mean, I think, um, yeah, again, it, there's no like moralizing around this, you know, like if, yeah, having what I refer to as a wholesome discipline works for me, then that's great. But yeah, exactly. Like, um, I think the main thing is that we're just trying to get through this experience and there's no judgments or, you know, towards yourself as well. And I think for me as well, like in terms of productivity and, and being worried about the output, um, again, it's this question of, yeah, like, making peace with it. And, um, I know like I've, I've talked to you a few times about like having a paper deadline mm -hmm. and how, well, I know this professors wouldn't care, but like how I also know it's important to me in a sense to also be proactive in setting the boundary that like, you'll, you'll get the paper when you get the paper. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I'm going to continue to try my best to adhere to, um, just working on it in the way that I, I best can and like respecting what my limitations are at every step of the way and, and kind of making more peace with imperfection mm -hmm. and the fact that mistakes might arise. There might be days where, um, I, I just, my wholesome discipline goes all out the window and uh, yeah. And I'm in bed all day eating cookies or whatever else. <laughs> like that's also fine. Like the, yeah, not judging yourself for doing what you need to do <laughs> right oh. now. That's also part of a balanced life is like sometimes occasionally lying in your bed all day eating cookies. It's actually really, really true. I think the days where I feel like such a slob and I, I didn't really do anything that I set out to do only make me more motivated the following days to, you know, get back on track and, and like remember that I actually feel good when I'm, you know, getting up and really like putting in my all to the day um, and, and taking care of myself. And yeah. Yeah, I've had some very interesting experiences with things not having the effect on my well-being that I thought they would have. Tell um, me more about that. It was, it's been interesting because I kind of feel like, I feel like I'm conducting experiments in like mm -hmm. this closed system about what makes yeah. me feel good. I totally know what you mean. This is like an experiment. I'm just constantly kind of adjusting and tweaking. Yeah, we can yeah. Really, like, isolate the independent variables. Yes, yes. This is very, this is, I don't know where it's coming from for you, but this is very much my Virgo ascendant energy right here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that, um, that Capricorn's also got some of this. It's like the mad scientist side of Capricorn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but definitely, like, this is just earth sign energy. Yeah, yeah, the earth signs are, yeah, that's what we, earth signs are specially adapted for this <laughs> crisis. Um, so one of the things I, like, famously and obviously am not um, someone who's, like, into sports or famously. exercising. I'm famously inflexible. I have, like, no stretching capacity. It has turned out to be very important to me that I go on a long walk every single day and that I do yoga or some similar activity every single day. I love that for you. And I find the same, like my relationship to exercise 
has totally changed. Like it's probably, again, it's probably now I'm realizing it, the Taurus in me, but like, I would rather not move <laughs> generally. Really? Like, I do. I do. And I, I know that like, you know, from years of experience, I actually like generally am fairly physically fit, but, and like, uh, you know, prioritize exercise, but it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle, really. Why would you ever voluntarily choose to be in vague discomfort? Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's your kink. We're not here to kink shame you. That's the vague discomfort is your, <laughs> this it, is a kink positive podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> it really is. We're committed to that. Um, but generally, I mean, speaking for us too, who, it's not our personal kink. <laughs> it's not. It's not fun for me to be in like workout clothes and running shoes and like out of breath and, and like around other people doing this and like yeah. not in my house. I think that I mostly want to be in my house, mm -hmm. but I also don't normally don't really feel motivated to work out in my house. Like I just want to again. I just want to be in my bed. Like, like that's that um, Pavlovian thing, right? Your house is where you rest and do schoolwork. It's not where you exercise. Yeah. No, God, no. And as much as I, I know, like that, it's, it's again, it's this idea of like, I know that this thing has a good outcome and is good for me. And part of me does love it. Um, like for example, yoga. But uh, yeah, it's definitely to do it is not something that like I oftentimes want to do from the same place of play. It's work as we've said, but yeah, I find the same, like there's very, very little resistance for me to exercise. I just do it. Like, it's just not really something that I'm deciding about doing. It's just like, I, I just do it. And I, I know I have to do it in a way. Like I know my body like needs me to do that because otherwise I could just not move like <laughs> for days, for, for months really. <laughs> We don't know how long we're going to be in here for. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, even today, I got up early. I went on a run. I went on a longer run than I had anticipated. I haven't ran in a really long time. And it was great. Like, I, I, I enjoyed it. Like, I wasn't even suffering during it. And, yeah, that's new for me. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah, it was really great. Except that I, I did fall, scrape my knee, and also rip my running pants, which oh. kind of <laughs> I would take the scrape, like that'll heal, but the running pants, uh, I'll figure something out, but. This is a, a good reason to order a very nice new pair of running pants, perhaps from a local business. You're completely right. That's a great point. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. One of the things I've learned about exercise and me and my relationship to it under these circumstances is that actually I just have like an aesthetic aversion to exercise clothes. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, actually, I think about that often when you said that. It's like, that's really true of you. I see, I see what you mean. Yeah, if I can't do it in like my giant dirndl skirt that I've been wearing every day and barefoot, I don't want to do it. Yeah, and that's completely valid. And like being in the, these trying times has opened up actually as a silver lining, like spaces in which you can do that. You can exercise mm -hmm. in that exact that exact setup yeah because you know if you go to the gym and you wear a dandel skirt like it's just not done no yeah <laughs> but I can be in my living room doing yoga in a dandel skirt and it like gets in the way a little bit but not so much that my exercise yeah. it just like yeah. really. kind of the point yeah, it's really that's what you want yeah so 
that's been great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love that you're doing that. Um, I always feel, I'm happy when I hear people starting yoga because it's definitely been a big part of my life. Yeah. And yeah, it has such amazing benefits. So I'm really happy that you found that. This has been like the longest that I've been doing consecutive, like daily. Yeah, that's amazing. Daily is a lot. I know for me, I have to really mix it up. Mm. Um, like I have to do some form of exercise and I try to balance like one day cardio, one day strength. Mm-hmm. But I have to really mix it up. I think that's, I have to like trick myself. This is like a new thing that I'm doing, you know? It's all, it's really all about just tricking yourself. <laughs> that's where, that's how I, I'm just constantly trying to outsmart myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This <laughs> game of cat and mouse. Um, but actually, on that note as well, like I find some things that have helped me with writing, some tips that you've told me, and some other things. Because it's, it's just, I've, I've mentioned this to you before, but I think there's something of being in the same space that can really give me sort of brain fog mm-hmm. or just make it difficult to like be as precise and analytical. And sometimes I sit down to a document. And I'm just like, what the hell did I do here? Like I look at my work from yesterday and I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. And <laughs> when is this like 10 pages longer? Like what, what is this? You know, <laughs> there's... <laughs> this is chaos in here. It's mayhem. What am I supposed to, you know, that's like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't happen to me like in my regular time, but definitely to an extreme during this. And I think some things that have helped me on a practical term, I remember you introduced me to the idea of doing like a free write. Mm -hmm. Um, I have this like large size notebook. I don't know why it's so big, but I, I use that to write and to do like a mind map. And like, this is really, helpful another thing because I realized especially now that we're not having like class discussions I'm a really like verbal processor so sometimes I also record an like a voice note and then I transcribe it and I find that that actually really helps me to like um to to make the to, to like the chaos of my mind to put it into like a logical flow as if I'm talking to someone as if I were explaining what I want to say in a section of the paper to someone and that's actually been like enormously helpful as just some like practical ways. But I think, yeah, that's kind of like mixed media ways of trying to trick myself, again, trick myself. Like I'm not writing a paper right now, which is scary. I'm talking to my imaginary friend. Right. <laughs> it's fine. This is fine. This is, <laughs> yeah. I know I sometimes get um, audio messages from you talking through paper points, which are always fun to listen to. That makes me happy. Sometimes I'm like, why am I burdening her with this? Like, <laughs> You are never burdening me. It's always Thank a joy. You so Thank you so much for that. That means a lot. Um, <laughs> seriously. But yeah, you actually, you're, you're really great for that because I know you're, you're like a naturally curious person that is like interested in learning about really anything. So like you're up for, yeah, like he, hearing my, my madness, my whatever it is that I'm writing about currently. <laughs> so it's not like... Yeah, it makes me feel less like I'm, I'm burdening you with my chaos. And it's also, I find like the process of watching someone formulate an idea to be interesting as well. And it's like, mm. I get like vicariously hyped when you find form in a paper or something. That's really, really nice to know. I'll keep that in mind um, going forward. That which sounds a little bit foreboding, like... <laughs> You know, that's a little dose of our usual energy, our usual podcast energy, because this has been a very, like, uplifting and wholesome episode, which, I, which I'm which i really enjoying. 
but we have to have some like veiled threats, you know, throughout. <laughs> also, the vaguely threatening and wholesome go together very well. They do. They're, 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 it's like, um, it's like sea salt and caramel, you know, like you need a little bit of <laughs> something a little bit. Yeah. Oh, what a good metaphor. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think if I have any other points that I wanted to make on this. Maybe again, I think that the theme for me is really has revolved around, yeah, respecting myself, prioritizing my well-being, um, doing what I need to do to, yeah, take care of myself, which I think is such like, I mean, I know these are always things that I have to balance with my work and that, you know, don't always come naturally to me, but this is such like a boot camp of that. It's such like a crucible for the, those skills. Um, but yeah, I think generally just as a wrap up, yeah, trying to stay honest and aware Mm -hmm. of you know like being more maybe more observant like of okay like I've had enough today yeah. sometimes you don't even realize that and you just continue slogging through and like beating your head against whatever it is that you're doing instead of just being like you know what this isn't fun anymore like I'm done and yeah prioritizing when is this fun when is this something that I feel motivated to do over other things mm -hmm. and just following that yeah and this process of constantly checking in with yourself and like mm -hmm. You know, maybe you don't necessarily feel like starting a project, but you start it and then you can keep checking in with yourself. And if it's, if it doesn't feel good after a little bit, you can stop. And if it starts to feel better, you can keep going. But just like being very aware of how you are responding to what you're doing. Yeah. And just being nice to yourself either way, you know, like not, there's no, not judging yourself for either, either outcome. You know, and being, yeah. I think, you know, I think one of the things about the German education system, to bring this back to our positions as students, is mm -hmm. that we actually have a lot of space to do this, but it's hard to accept that we have that space. Hell yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, it's still difficult to like, even this other TA that I was telling you about for the course, he was telling me that he's taking like one or two classes this semester, which is like totally, I realizing like, People take like four years to do their master's degree, longer, um, I think actually much longer. After four years, you have to um, file some kind of paperwork to explain why you're taking so long. And now that we're in a pandemic, everybody has an excuse yeah. if they needed one before, which a lot of people did. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I'm taking 30 credits, which is the like supposedly advised course load for finishing and the supposedly advised time frame of two years. But like normally I take like 45 credits. So <laughs> this is still light for me. And I was like, wait a minute, how did I end up doing this? Like, but it's fine. Mm. Eh, it's fine. I think, yeah, I think that we both are in our own ways, very high functional. You know, we're usually doing a lot. Yes. May not, may not always seem like it, but you might, I think that you maybe seem like it more than me, but. We both always seem like we're doing a lot. We don't necessarily seem high functioning, but we seem like we're yeah. doing <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's very, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I, I, I'm still doing less than I would normally be doing, but um, we'll see how it goes. You know, maybe it's, it's like the right thing to be doing a lot and if it's not then as we've been saying like I'll revisit it and we'll we'll let you know dear listener yeah. uh when we record next time 
with respect to how this all is going now that classes are about to start, which they start for me tomorrow. Um, and for me, they do not start because I'm not taking any classes this term. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be curious to know like how or if this affects your thesis and what ways it affects your thesis. Yeah. I think one of the really interesting things about this is that this kind of just gave me a jump start on how my life was about to be anyway. Yeah. All my work was about to be from home. Yeah. And it could be um, like a good sort of training. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think I'm glad that I'm having this situation of like, like we talked about this experiment closed system in order to isolate some of the things that are actually really useful for me from working from home. Exactly. I don't get into a situation where I'm relying on less healthy coping mechanisms like buying a venti Starbucks latte every single day. <laughs> Sometimes you do what you have to do. But when you can't do that, you yeah, you find find other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Called balance. Yeah. It's called balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that wraps up the call. Yeah, wraps it up. Do you want to talk about what we've been reading? Have you been reading anything? You know, I finally finished 2666, which I've talked about, I think, more than once on the, on the show. Are we a show? We are a show. We're a show. We're a woman show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I finally finished it. Uh, sometimes when you finish, like, a, a thousand-page book that you've been reading for half a year, probably close to, um, it's emotional in a way, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like, that's been a part of you. I didn't um, think it was that long. Jeez. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and now I'm reading emergent strategy, which is, um, it encompasses, it spouses a lot of themes that I'm really interested in, in terms of activism. It's a book about, um, kind of, how do I explain? Do you remember material turn and like all these kind of like actor network theory? You know, I, you know, I love that. I love, I love material, the material turn. Um, all these kinds of like systems and like rhizomatic system. And like, it's, it's kind of basically like extrapolating on these sorts of, um, I don't know, like, I don't know how you would articulate this to someone who doesn't know what I just said. <laughs> do you? <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, Bruno Latour. I don't know. <laughs> Look him up. Yeah, yeah. Deleuze, classic material turn theorist. Um, but yeah, it's basically like looking at processes of cooperation within nature that like um, are not embedded in our like kind of ways of thinking of hi- things as being hierarchical and looking at trying to find resilience in like cooperation and, and networks um, and, and using nature and establishing a sense of wonder and sort of optimism from that and seeing and changing the way that we engage in activism as being something that's more about relations than it is about um like quantity that and, is fantastic pandemic reading yeah i was just about to say i think that because something that i've learned from the pandemic is one that i i do want to be more involved in the community i also want to um maybe learn more concrete skills that i can um use in potential times of crisis to you know feel like I, I have a more like resilience against crisis and can take care of myself and just generally trying to build community through resilience so 
Yeah, Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown, who also has a podcast called How to Survive the End of the World, which is about surviving crisis. And then now we're in a crisis of pandemic. And so it's also very, I recommend. Well, you're always reading such like um, interesting and intellectual and stimulating seeming books. I feel very inspired. And then also, <laughs> I feel like it makes my reading material look even worse. Hey, what are you reading? Like a Harlequin novel? <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a book I bought in Prague. <laughs> I've already told you about this. You sure have. <laughs> and it's called Hitler and Gelly. <laughs> For those of you sweet, innocent viewers not in the know, Gelly was Adolf Hitler's niece, who this book is pretty confident he was banging. Oh boy. And I would describe this book as softcore. Softcore. You know, today's Hitler's birthday. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I know that, but. <laughs> this book is fucking ridiculous. And I went on Goodreads um, a couple of days ago to look at the review. Are you going to leave a Goodreads review? I am going to leave a Goodreads review. <laughs> I, I love using Goodreads. But like all the people um, leaving reviews on Goodreads are giving it negative reviews because they're like disappointed in its lack of historical rigor. And they think it's like not very respectful. And I'm like, literally, what did you expect? <laughs> Not very respectful. Which is, to be fair, not. <laughs> not. <laughs> it's just like very um, prurient, I think would be the word. Like exploitative take. Series of takes. A series of piping hot takes about Hitler's sex life. It's, I saw this book. I had been to this bookstore in Prague in December. I saw this book there. And it has, like, haunted me since. So I went back and bought it. I'm so glad that you were able to buy it on the eve of a pan pandemic. Yeah. It's, I would say it's excellent pandemic reading, except it's really not, because I can't stand to read it for more than 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm just taking a second to just process all that you just told me. Oh, man. And then I was reading part today. Are there photos in this There book? are photos. Nice. I feel like this is the type of book where this person was just like, who's going to stop me? I'm going to just, like, who's, who's, who's even, like, I, I, I relate to this. Like, who's even reading, who's even going to read this thing? I'm just going to go absolutely off. It's really something. This book is hilarious. <laughs> I bet it is. Okay. Well, I guess that's been this episode of Caffeinated in, in Quarantine. Yes. Thanks for listening, dear listeners. We love you. Thanks for still still following us along on this this journey. And we'll be back with you. You'll hear us in two weeks.